This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the show that asks, has Dwayne The Rock Johnson considered naming his penis Dwayne The Rocks Johnson? I'm your host, Alice Vaughn. That was not good, was it? (laughs) I want to know now. (laughs) We're just going to leave it at that. And I also want to know if you are a a con artist who's pretending to be The Rock, are you like a shamrock? I don't know. Hey. Jeez. (laughs) Are you uh, peddling uh, wares, like, you know, clean house cleaning (laughs) wares too? Are you the sham wow rock? I don't know. I mean, like, there's... There's so many ways. And that was a redonkulous <laughs> joke, uh, emphasis on on dong, um, Alice, to, to start the show. So don't be so hard on yourself. If you're a fake rock band, like a cover band, are you technically scam rock and roll? <laughs> <laughs> so listeners, uh, we have the whole gang here. So we have Natalia, Kate, and Meredith on the show. It only took 153 episodes. <laughs> for us all to like manage to be in the same place at the same time. To have four mm. girls and four mics. So it's a double feature. It really technically. is. Yeah. I mean, we'll be sending you an invoice later for can this. Can people handle uh, it? Woo, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Some definitely can't. Turn this off. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a pacemaker, uh, please consult your doctor first. <laughs> yeah. The following has been shown to cause seizures. So... <laughs> mm-hmm. If you have good taste, you definitely need to turn this off because you might just uh, have a massive coronary. That explode. We're not responsible. We should have, nope. you know, had like a disclaimer at the yeah. beginning. Like we're not yeah. responsible for um, all the heart attacks. Yeah. We're not medical professionals, no matter how many slutty nurse orgies I've been in. No, no. <laughs> no matter how many episodes of Grey's Anatomy I have seen and how confidently I use medical jargon in my everyday life, I'm actually not a doctor. So yeah. Don't take my word for it. Can you imagine if someone consulted porn hospitals for most of their <laughs> medical diagnoses? <laughs> I mean, it's not a terrible idea considering, I mean, some of the things they may have seen in terms of just like, you know, in your day-to-day life, That's you know, true. like, is it, like, hey, is this normal? And and showing a skin tag on, you know, say another region. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, Johnny Hardware has one of those, uh, you know. I can balance a porn the star named Johnny Hardware. I want to meet him. But anyways. I can balance the pH of like anyone's vagina within like five minutes of talking to them. I'm like, oh, it's this. You need hydrogen peroxide, you need iodine, you need tea tree oil. I'm like, oh, I can I can diagnose you immediately. There you go. Yeah. Just by the smell. Really? That's a business right there. We did. We had one of the episodes we did. We uh me and Alice had Dr. Jen Gunter from the New York Times mm. on and we talked to her about this, which was very fun. Mostly because I wanted to know partially, too, if, if all of the remedies that we use in porn are uh, healthy for you. And she, she backed me up. She was saying, she's like, yeah, you know what you're talking about. I was like, fuck, yeah. Wow. I'm just curious about what pairs well with what pH balance of vagina. In like, terms of like, like a wine know, pairing? A, like a rosé. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, exactly. I would really like to. That's an episode I'd, I'd right? listen to. It depends on what you're dealing with. If you're dealing with something fungal, you want to go tea tree oil mixed with a little mm-hmm. water as a douche mm-hmm. and then rinse with warm water. That'll get any kind of smell. It's antifungal. Um, if you're worried about like a cut or an abrasion, like if you've had rough sex and it's not feeling good, you want to do hydrogen peroxide. Mm. That'll clean that out. If you're doing anal, always douche with a little bit of iodine afterwards, even if you're not doing anal to pussy because it can still leak in there and the iodine will wash out any of the nasty so you don't get an infection. Good to and, know. Uh, 
Boric wow. acid is everyone's friends. You don't just need to use it when you're, or you don't just have to use it when you're not feeling great. You can actually just use it on the reg and it keeps that pussy fresh. <laughs> I have had to do the hydrogen peroxide thing before. A guy, mm. like, it was just too rowdy and like, I don't know what the fuck happened, but it was like a slice on my yeah. like labia. And I was I've just done like, that. why the fuck, how the fuck did that happen? And I don't did even- Did you have sex with a large cat? I, like truly. And I don't even particularly enjoy Me sex if that's aggressive, but it was so fucking painful. And I like Googled it. I had to look it up. I was like, what yeah, the fuck wow. do I do for a pussy slice? I've torn my perineum before. I got like, a <gasps> slice in it. And cause the skin is really <sighs> delicate down there. Yeah. It can yeah. happen. It wasn't even, the guy wasn't that big. It wasn't that like rough. It, it just, just happened. And ugh. yeah, it feels, I felt like I, I've never had a baby, but I assume that's what you feel like after you've had a fucking baby. Cause it felt like there was an extra part Jesus. of my pussy that was open. My God. Like I've had a child and my, I didn't tear that direction. Yeah. I tore the hmm. other way, but I had stitches immediately and it was yeah. really uncomfortable, quite unpleasant. Yeah. But no, yeah. Fun. The risks we go through wow. to bring you this knowledge, guys. Truly. Yeah. We are, we put our pussies on the line. You know? The worst I have is a uh, an unfortunate Dollar Shave Club advertisement to insert here. Mm, <laughs> bad. Ouch. <laughs> you just straight up slice off a lip. <laughs> yeah. I've also friction burned my labia because uh, I got a little oh, too yeah. overzealous with the Hitachi. That's not a good feeling either. I recommend A&D diaper ointment. I'm a big <laughs> fan of that. And I used to use it after porn sets. I would just slather all my privates in it. Interesting. And like it just heals everything up. I've used like diaper cream before when yes. after vigorous condom sex. I don't care what kind of condom it is, what texture, what material, anything. It dries me out immediately. Just yeah. like I have to use so much lube. And if I don't have it, like it's just like there have been times where I've been like at a guy's place and he's, you know, used a condom and it's been to where like he didn't have lube or something. So I just was like, I'd rather just not fuck. Yeah. It like dries me out and makes me swollen. And I've gotten like really like so sore and tender for like days. Condoms can cause micro tears in mm -hmm. the walls of the vagina, mm -hmm. no matter how lubricated they are. So that's actually why they don't use condoms in porn, mm -hmm. um, aside from the aesthetic. But right. it, that is part of it is that you'd actually be more likely to get an infection if you were constantly having sex with condoms rather than having bareback sex with people that are tested. Right. Yeah. And there's certain brands too that just like, I don't know mm -hmm. if I'm allergic or whatever, but just, oof. Yeah, I, it's like inflamed. I'm like swollen and you can't even get in there. This is why I'm I'm a virgin, you guys. This is why I've never <laughs> had sex. I, I probably should have told you that, Alice, before I ever started doing this podcast, but I, I've never made love. <laughs> hand jobs. Not really worth hand it. Hand jobs only. <laughs> yeah. I was a... I was a hand model for years and I really do, I do miss those hand jobs because uh, I actually did make a living that way. And that's fucking rad. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I could never be a hand model. Mine are way too stubby. <gasps> I, I, I don't have cute hands. Can you imagine if that was the porn opposite? It's like you were a hand job model as opposed to just being only a hand model. Yeah. <laughs> you moonlit. That's how you moonlit. Times are lean. There are websites like that. I shot for a website called Mono Job one time, M-A-N-O, like Mono. Oh, yeah. Hand. And that's what it is. And they like specifically in the call sheet were like, go get a manicure. Like your hands need to look really nice. And it's all like close-ups of your, it's almost like foot fetish porn, but your hand like on <laughs> the dick. 
Wow. Oh my yeah. goodness. And I was the whole time I was like, have you seen it's the same when they book me for foot fetish stuff? I'm like, have you seen them? Like, <laughs> they're, ah, they're so stubby. I couldn't, I had to use a child size guitar when I was like 13. Oh That's how God. small, oh. like useless. I played the piano for five years and I had to quit because I literally could not reach the other keys. Like I have no. I bet it makes guys feel really good. Yeah, like, they must yeah. look down and be like, and they're like, wow. wow. Like, all these little so goblin big. hands on my junk. <laughs> <laughs> my precious. Like, as long as they're not like, mm, looks like a child's jerking me off. Um, oh, no. No, it looks like one of the <laughs> no. goblins from Harry Potter is jerking you off. That's, especially if I haven't had them done. That's one exactly the, what it looks a dwarf. like. Is yeah, there Dobby porn out there? Is there Dobby fetish Dobby porn? porn. I, I just, yeah. Exactly. I'm sure there's cartoon Dobby porn. Rule 34. I want a dub job. A dub job? <laughs> if Dobby from <laughs> Harry Potter a, a dub, is like job. what gets your dick hard, you're never seeing heaven. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> nope, that's something to unpack with your therapist. <laughs> They do, because they, they can reproduce, because there's one that's pregnant, I think, at one point. Well, I mean, if, if it's Dobby and Dobby's, like, if they're both... Yeah, they're both, like, house elves. That's fine. But, like, yeah. person and house elf, I feel like, you know, not one to kink shame, but maybe some kinks are bad. Look, I'm an anthropologist. You know, we talk a lot about homo sapiens and Neanderthals getting down and then mixing, because we know that we have Neanderthal DNA in our... Mm-hmm. current population. So, I mean, and and my argument for why, you know, even before we had ancient DNA to determine that we had sex with Neanderthals, that it was probable that this happened was humans will try to have sex with anything. I mean, yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, like I have friends who are ER doctors who tell me all the things they extract from people's keisters, you know? Mm, yeah. We all know uh, the gerbil story. Yeah. Rest in peace, yeah. poor gerbil. But, uh, or cucumbers or mailboxes or feral hogs. The light bulbs. 30 to 50 feral mm-hmm. hogs. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, all the things that like, and it's predominantly men shoving weird shit in their asses because it's like they're ashamed or afraid to like want to try butt stuff. And just like, they won't just like go get an appropriate toy to try it out. I'm like, please stop putting wine bottles up your asshole. Mm-hmm. Just go get a dildo. Seriously, the pressure alone, it can break. If it doesn't have a stopper, don't put it in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely yeah. don't put glass up there. No, you know? no. That's dangerous. Mm. Yeah. Even the glass dildos that I have, like the toys that I use safely, I'm still always like, don't drop it, don't drop it, don't drop it. Like, right? If I'm with another person we're getting frisky, like, I don't trust you. This is basically like China. Like, don't drop it. No. All of the the wonderful mishaps that can go into that. So fun. I have to clean up my sex toy drawer too. That's that's on my list of closet cleanouts. Maybe I can sell some of those. That'd be fun. I feel like people would buy yeah. those. Yeah. yeah. I've been thinking about selling some of my old ones, like to people who subscribe to me on OnlyFans and stuff because I have yeah. a feeling some real horny people would be oh, like, yeah. oh, this has been in our pussy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With the rise of cryptocurrency, we just need to create a marketplace right now for porn people or, you know, people who've been in adult entertainment. It's like, hey, I use this. I, you know, can't sell yeah. this on eBay. Yeah. Give me some Bitcoin or Ethereum or Solana or whatever you're using or come rocket. Come rocket. It is an actual cryptocurrency. There's um, also Spank Chain. Is yeah, Spank like, Chain. Oh. I actually just finished shooting some stuff to do NFTs with them. So oh. there's going to be an NFT of my asshole. 
Nice I was supposed tip. to do those too, and I oh, forgot because really? I, I was, was on blocked. vacation. And they kept messaging me, being like, "Are you going to get these done?" And I was like, "I had like just I was gone for like a week in like all these different cities," and I was like, "I I'm so." And it was Thanksgiving. I was like, "I'm so sorry," but it's the gift that keeps on giving. So I think it's time in the episode that we break the news. Yeah, it's about time. Uh, break that cherry, is- Alice. No, it's Pop hard. It. Uh, it is and hard. I say the same thing when I see a hard penis. No, it's hard. Um, but in all seriousness, guys, it's been 153 episodes, but I hate to say it, but this is the last one. It's no. a sad day. I know. Sad, sad day. It has been an amazing ride. I have been asked many times why I'm ending the show right now. Look, I'm not saying I'm Seinfeld and I'm ending on top because I have nowhere near the subscribers (laughs) and notoriety as Seinfeld. But the show has had so many fantastic episodes. We've had so many amazing guests. We've spent three years doing the show and it feels right. I feel like we're all moving on kind of to different projects. We're all super busy these days. Mm. And... I have like a million projects like on the horizon and I hate to say it, but most people who don't do a podcast don't know how much time it takes. This show with a full-time editor still takes me about six to eight hours a week. I don't have that time anymore. I need it back. So I'm sorry for being selfish. (laughs) Don't hate me. I don't think anyone will hate you. Nobody will hate you. you. (laughs) You've done a bang up job on the show. Uh, There's a Steve might hate you. Uh, a few Steve Ryan, Megan, Steve Steve, John, uh, everyone but like you said we are leaving on like an an ultimate high note I think everyone here has exciting new stuff coming up that we can talk Mm -hmm, about totally and you've also persevered through losing your regular co-host subbing in with all of us yeah never do wells and uh no yeah like you said we've got an interview so many incredible people I know this show has been a big part of my life since the first time I appeared on it was like, what, 2018, 2019? Something like that. Yeah. And didn't you say this was your like first podcast or something? It was one of my first podcasts that I did before I even started doing stand up. We met through doing this show. We met in New York. Uh, you're one of my best friends. I wouldn't know you if not for this show. Mm-hmm. You've been a, a huge part of my life for the last like three years. So, yeah, we technically owe it all the show. I feel like I've met so many amazing people. I mean, Meredith, I wouldn't have met you if it wasn't for this show. I know. I know. And like, I'm so grateful to have met you through this show. I'm so grateful to have met you too, Kate and Natalia. I like, I don't think any of us would have connected otherwise if it hadn't been for this show. So heartwarming. Um, And it's been so fun. Every episode has been fun. Each guest that we've had has been so interesting and different. And I've had so much, so much fun and such a good time. And I've actually, I feel like I've kind of like gotten a little more connected with the porn world in more of a kind of actually, you know, connected way rather than me kind of just being like passive on the outside in sort of like the OnlyFans influencer realm. So that's been really awesome for me, just like career wise and connection wise and everything. And so that's been super fun. And I definitely and I owe that to you into the show. And so I'm so glad you reached out to me to be on as a guest and then to come and help co-host with you sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you guys have all been amazing. You, Natalia, Kate, Meredith. Also, like, special thanks to, like, all the people who, like, guest up. Like, Andrew Heaton, you know, he was just randomly, I I, I, I don't even know how we got connected. And 
I ended up pulling his ass onto the show. And, you know, now he's one really good friend of mine. And I, I feel like I have a connection to so many people I've I've had on the show now. And I formed so many meaningful relationships that like for me, it was great because during especially even COVID times, it was a nice outlet to continue meeting people mm-hmm. and seeing people. And especially as I've moved around the country. And what's amazing is now that will be moving to uh, Las Vegas, you know, and now I have like Victoria Hartman's there who runs the Erotic Heritage Center. And, um, you know, uh, Kate, your manager, you know, who lives out there. And oh, I my had PR sushi. Yeah. yeah, he's amazing. Oh, and, yeah, he's the funnest. Yeah, so um, he was fantastic. And there's just so many people within the space that are, you know, traveling and out. Where I was like, oh, I, I feel like I already have an amazing group, friend group. I'm excited for all of our new ventures I'm sad because it is ending. Mostly I'm also sad because then like we can't talk about things like, oh, I don't know, like how I learned like how in the Cold War Americans, you know, consider dropping extra large condoms labeled as mediums on Russians to make them feel <laughs> inferior. That is fabulous. Oh, I love a, it. Just what a hilarious, what a mindfuck. <laughs> So petty. That is psychological warfare right there. That is it. (laughs) I I really want to discuss in detail like a Nancy Burlington throat factory Reagan. Oh, oh I know. I, I love that the show was ending just as this news right. hit the world. What what a note to go out on. As a Reagan, I uh another N Reagan, uh (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I much respect. I mean, she was a, a schmuck in so many de- ways. Yeah. The war of drugs. I, you know, real uh, horrible a, person. Real yeah, horrible person. Uh, a lot of people died uh, from the AIDS epidemic because of her. And uh, but boy, <laughs> could she? She could. Yeah, she could. She, she could suck could, a dick. She, she knew you know her what? way around a wiener. If I was Monica Lewinsky and I spent like Ugh. the majority of my life being treated like a pariah for sucking one dick. And I was looking at everyone just like shouting out Nancy these days for being throatist. I'd be ready to bomb the White House. Like, Mm -hmm. I would be so fucking pissed that Nancy Reagan was a little whore, you know, just throating all of Hollywood. (laughs) Especially Mm -hmm. that she gets the credit because we know Monica Lewinsky sucked the dick, but we've never gotten like the review. Right. I don't know how good Monica Lewinsky is at sucking dick. Like, and Monica only sucked one dick. As far as we know. Right. Uh, my yeah. non-official opinion is I assume she's probably pretty good at it because she's yeah. great at Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I assume that any I girl, that any person really that is good at Twitter is probably also good at sucking dick. I agree. Because there's similar skill sets. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great way to rate people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we should all cheers to Monica Lewinsky. Cheers to Monica oh, Lewinsky. True American hero. Cheers. She is Fuck a cheers throatist. Official throatist. Mm. Another thing I learned, uh, how many men jerk it in the JFK and Newark breastfeeding stations and airports and, and they have to be cleaned from cum every single day? I've thought wow. about doing that before. Um, I've had sex in a family bathroom in an airport. Yeah, but it's specifically <laughs> the breastfeeding stations yeah. that yeah. are just being jerked off in. I've thought about going in one of those just to take a nap before, like alone. <laughs> I didn't do it because I was like, that's a dick move. Like if right. there is a woman here that needs to, but like I was really tired 
Yeah. And I was in like San Jose and I was mm. like, I could just, I, like my flight wasn't for like three hours. I was like, I could just nap in there and no one would bother me. You know, like <laughs> not that I'm opposed to sleeping on the floor of an airport, but those pods are pretty comfortable. Yeah. You could always bring like props with you to, you know, sort of uh, back up your alibi. Yeah. Just, like, mm-hmm. I just walk out like, mm. Honestly, that gets me off anyway. So that's great. A little nipple right? suction action there. Yeah, just yeah. Right. Nice. everywhere you go. And like, I had to fucking pop. Like, you mean you guys don't already? <laughs> is it just me? Oh, well, this is this is awkward. I, uh, I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> I actually just got one because I was shooting. A, I had a fetish video I had to shoot. <laughs> Wait, what? For this, yeah, some guy wanted this video. So I like got one for this. It actually feels so good. I'm like, oh, I, I could just sit here with this on. Like, this is, you know, this is a nice feeling. The misleading oh thing about that is, yeah, it feels great when you're not actually breastfeeding. When you're not actually breastfeeding. Because when you yeah. are breastfeeding, your nipples are cracked and bleeding and you want to, it's so painful oh, and so uncomfortable. God. I just, want the fantasy it's great when it's not real when it's real there is absolutely nothing enjoyable or sexual about it like doesn't feel good there's something out there for everyone yeah oh 100 i don't want to get like say that i get the fetish but having done the video i'm like this is nice like mm, i didn't mind making this well it's like having sex with pregnant ladies you know yeah. like i know guys that yeah. absolutely you know that's what they that's what they aim for yeah, you know? I get any kind of like mommy related fetish. I yeah. understand it. I it's not for me, but I understand it. A lot of men with like real like mommy things. mommy issues. Totally yeah. get it. Yeah, who among us doesn't? I mean, I will not that I have a fetish about it, but no. I did have a slightly abusive mom as a kid, so I get the mommy issues. I literally had this conversation with Sydney Leathers. We had um, brunch recently. And I was saying, you know, people talk all day long about daddy issues, daddy issues, this daddy issues are fine. They just make us like fun. Let's talk about the real silent killer mommy issues. Yeah. They're terrible. Mm -hmm. Because even if you have daddy issues, it's probably because your dad wasn't around. And by not being around, it means he wasn't fucking you up. Right. Exactly. Like maybe a little bit because he wasn't there, but my mom was there the whole time. And I have a lot of attachment issues. Right. Moms are your first bullies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) To this day, my mom got upset with me the other day because we were thrift shopping for baby clothes. There's a lot of new babies in my family right now. My mother has now been the last of her sisters to have children and is the last to become a grandmother. So there's no pressure on me whatsoever right now. And uh, we're like going through these racks, picking us out for my cousins. And I'm like, oh, I like this. This It's cute. She's like, no, absolutely not. Like, okay, now I'm getting shamed for not having good taste in baby clothes. I'm like five years out from even possibly. Right. Like, and then she's like, you know, I've just been buying stuff for your future kids, just like in case. What? Like, just when I find something. So, this is how I found out that my mother has a stash of baby clothes for my future children that do not exist. And I am very, very single. Interesting. And she's just been buying them for the last couple of years. (laughs) Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure. She's like, it's just a thing. And we were in therapy when she told me this, right? Have you considered just messing with her and telling her you're infertile? Well, I, so I already told, because I, 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 I've been told that by a doctor that it would be very, I've had two miscarriages. Like, I'm very right. open about it. Right. Well, sorry, this gone from last episode to, like, Kate's sad life story. <laughs> it's okay. It's like, fine. I'm very open about it. I had two miscarriages in my early 20s. Like, I was told by a doctor when I was, like, 18, like, it's, it's possible. It's unlikely. Like, there would have to be 
probably significant medical interventions. It would only be Mm -hmm. one. There's no way I could have a natural, like I could not deliver a child. Like Mm -hmm. my body physically can't do that, which is like a genetic defect that like my, it runs in my family anyways. Something you could blame on your mother if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I could, I have 16 cousins. We were all born by C-section. No woman in my family can can deliver a child. Yeah. That's crazy. We have a really narrow pelvis and my, so this is the thing that this happened to me when I was like 18, right? I go in for like my first pap smear ever. And they like open, like to my general doctor, and she like puts the speculum in me. She goes, That's weird. <laughs> that is like, like not a thing oh, a doctor should ever say. No, no. no especially you when you're 18, you're already then. so self conscious. <laughs> like, with your um, pussy open. Like, my, so like my <laughs> vagina into my cervix curves at 90 degrees. Oh, my wow. uterus. Like it's a 90 degree curve. So a baby can't really do yeah. this. No. This is not a thing. Huh. Yeah. Jeez. So, uh, wow. anyways, I, yeah, and she, but like, she said this in therapy that she's like buying baby clothes and her therapist's like, that's really sweet. And I was like, no, okay, we're no. going to talk about this in our solo session next month. Yeah. Like, no yeah. therapist. That's not yeah. sweet. No, that's it's, manipulative. it's weird. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's really, really manipulative. I mean, I do, I feel for, I do feel for like uh, my sister's going to get married way before me. Dude. Like she's already going to buy a house with her boyfriend. We're not going to find out she's getting married until we get a save the date. Cause that's who she is. But well, yeah. that'll take the pressure off. Yeah. I have to wait like one more year. Oh, well then you're good. Put all the yeah, be fine. like responsibility on her. Yeah. Yikes. Moms are fun. I got the kids thing out of the way so early because yeah. I got knocked up when I was 21. And now there is exactly zero pressure on me or my sister for any more children or anything. Like my mom's like very much in the, hey, he's going to be in college in a few years. That's awesome. <laughs> like, let's <sighs> rock and roll. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, my mom, I'm in the same boat that Kate's in. My mom uh, is one of four sisters, and they all have multiple children and grandchildren. And my mom had me late at 34, and I'm, uh, yeah, I'm uh, way over the Literally hill. exactly the same. My mom's one yeah. of four sisters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and she had me at 30, 34, and I, yeah, I'm 42, and I froze eggs this year, and mm. uh, which is already old to free. Like, you know, everybody, the doctor, when I met with him, he was like, uh, we need to do this now, as in yesterday. Yeah. We need to do this. Like, you know, uh, as soon as you can possibly do this. And uh, yeah, my mom, uh, lots of pressure, lots of, uh, you know, comments. And and she doesn't, I don't know if she buys clothes necessarily, but she definitely makes some really sad, tragic remarks about how she's going to basically die alone and and have no one to love her. See, my mom doesn't make the remarks, I will say. So I think this is acceptable. If this is her way of coping with it, I'm actually fine with this. Because yeah. even when she was saying, she, she's like, I, she's like, I want you to meet the right person. I want you to do it when you're ready. There's like, I, I seriously don't want to put pressure. She's like, I want it. And also my mom had me older. Mm-hmm. So there's also that thing too. Like I'm yeah. going to be 28. I'm like closing it on 30. My mom, my parents are in their sixties. Mm-hmm. So it is that thing of like, oh, if I do have a kid, like I would, I would hope that I want them to know my parents. Like, yeah, yeah. they were, they were terrible parents, but I think they'd be great grandparents. Oh, they, yeah. That's how it works. That's usually how it works. Yes. So I'm like, you know, and I get it where I'm like, she just wants to know that like if she has grandkids, they will know her. And I I very much get that. So. Yeah. I think parents like so often are like way better grandparents than they are parents. Oh, yeah. Like my mom was like not super involved when I was growing up, but now she is like grandmother of the year. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of like how it goes because it's like not exactly all the responsibility. 
it's and like a niece have or a nephew. To physically carry it. Like, yeah. yeah. And not the like, oh my God, if they fuck up, it's on me. Right. Yeah. There's like that distance. And I'm like, okay, like, you know. Um, and my, also my mom was like a teacher. So my mom is like about little kids anyways. Yeah. Like my mom Aww. is great with kids. Like she was terrible with us, but right. like other people's kids, she's awesome with. So. <laughs> Literally same. My mom's a teacher. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I feel totally confident. Like, I would leave them with you. Like you're gonna be great. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> When I was a kid, my and you know, as as a child, you screw up, you make mistakes, and then your parents say to you something along the lines of, "Well, when you have kids, I can't wait to see how terrible they are, so you can see how it feels." Uh, a few years ago, we got snipped, so I'm like, "Jokes on you!" Now I never get to feel that. <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny because, you know, we've been pretty, you know, staunch about not having children. It was great, actually. Um, By the way, men, if you definitely don't want kids, go get snipped. You could do it in the afternoon on a lunch. Uh, That's what my spouse did. It was the greatest because uh, I I had been consulting my various gynecologists for several years up until that point. But he just had to go on his lunch break and just, you know, just. Just get snipped. It took five minutes. God yeah. Damn. That's some bullshit yeah. that they, any woman who goes in and is like, I want to get my tubes tied. I definitively know I do not want kids or whatever. If you're under a certain age, maybe like under the age of 40, they will push and push and push. If, if you don't have children already, they will push and push and push and deny and be like, well, maybe you're going to change your mind. Maybe you don't want this or blah, blah, blah. It's like such a fucking hassle. But any dude can just walk into a miscellaneous doctor and be like, yo, I want a vasectomy. And it's done. Like, no, because it's reversible. It's reversible. To an extent, to an extent, because after a certain point, it's not reversible anymore. But my point is that there's still more research behind that because they care more about that. Whereas if there was that much research behind women's fertility, that yeah. we could have like I mean I like I have an IUD I love having an IUD mm-hmm. same. I'm about to get it like replaced with exactly the same one and I'm just not gonna have my period for like 20 years which is amazing but if there was that much research between women's like and women's fertility there has to be something that you could cauterize in there yeah and then undo later where I wouldn't have to have like a plastic fucking tiki umbrella shoved up my pussy yeah I have a copper wire shoved in my yeah. um, you know body for 10 years at a time yeah there's no possible way that if we were not like there with all of the money mm-hmm. that goes into medical research if any of it was allocated to this we would have figured this out yeah yeah it's just you know they don't necessarily care yeah. so much about our opinion no and well and now they actively don't want it because now our populations are falling because yeah. it's so fucking expensive to have a kid. Yeah. So now they're like, now you, and now we can't have abortions. So now they're like, oh, now you have to have, yeah. I right. wouldn't even say it's because things are more expensive. I would just say women are becoming educated and have the option to not. Yes. And because they can tie tubes. Um, I was going to say my, my my aunt and my uncle who are much younger than me are the products of a vasectomy reversal. Uh, my grandfather did not want to have, ke- my grandpa, I love my grandpa. I saw him a few nights ago. Not a huge fan of kids, yet has five. <laughs> Please explain that to me. Um, We get along great now, but when I was a kid, and I loved him when I was a kid, but he was just kind of always a curmudgeon. And uh, but yeah, uh, tying tubes. I mean, obvious big difference is obviously Mm -hmm. you know female anatomy with inside. You know, inside you got much more invasive. Uh, But a vasectomy, yeah, you can reverse. Uh, But the whole idea of not only doing research, like for instance, like how uh, medication and how much you should take in terms of like you know doses and things like that, has historically not been studied on 
uh, women, but just men. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because again, whoever does that, I explain this, I teach biological anthropology, I explain this to my students, whoever does the science brings their own biases to it. So if we've got only white Western European men asking all the research questions, guess what? They're going to skew very Mm -hmm. male. And so unfortunately, not only do they not do the research, but they also don't believe women. Like when women, that's why mortality rates and childbirth and women, especially in the United States, are just rising. I think you're seven times more likely to die in the U.S. than other developed countries Mm -hmm. from childbirth. multiply that times a gazillion if you're a woman of color. color. Yep. Because of a lack of belief. Hey, look, as a corporatist, I believe in equalities, which is why I do all of my testing in third world countries, in the most diverse third world countries. Where's (laughs) (laughs) developed countries? Undeveloped. And uh, very undeveloped. Look, where, where the research, it is shaky, but it ex- it exists. <laughs> Alice is just sending offensive crayons to like Cameroon to see if the children <laughs> eat them and die. <laughs> it's for our military. Our Marines need to know if it's safe to eat. <laughs> That's cool. That doesn't make you sound like a Nazi at all. Oh, no, no, not in the least. <laughs> And look, I don't worry about future generations because when the temperature is higher than the life expectancy, I think we're good. Oh, dear God. Another (laughs) solid point. Another solid point. I think if I did have a kid, like I won, that's it. Like not only the cost, the like, like, no, like one and we're done. But I have like, I always said, I was like, I don't want to because I have nice, I have a nice abs, I have a nice tummy. It's nice and flat. I was like, I don't want to fuck this up. Oh, no. And then I like turned 27 and my body has, my body has changed and all of a sudden I'm not as hot anymore. And I'm like... Well, what were we protecting? Because uh, mm-hmm. the the natural the time has eked its its power out my, on us. My midsection is fucked, but I am a lot hotter than I was when I was twenty one. So See? it's kind of like mm-hmm. eh, the rest is hotter. That part's fucked. Yeah, I'm like I, I I'm like I you know I mean how much longer do I want to keep wearing crop tops? At least until <laughs> the ones I have wear out because I can't afford to replace ninety percent of my wardrobe. <laughs> Oh, Kate, I just remembered. So you calling me a Nazi. So, uh, wait, no, that's not the point. You sounded like a Nazi. I didn't say, I said that that, the thing that I was dreaming up sounded Nazi-ish. Excuse you. It was being a corporatist. I I wasn't (laughs) discriminating. But hold on. Uh, So I just remembered recently, I learned that the term Caucasian derived from a racist guy. Do you want to know the story? Natalia, please tell it. Because I... I've got the spark notes here. Johannes Blumenbach? <laughs> yes. Yeah, basically went to the Caucasus Mountains and thought that they were the most be- – sorry, I did a, I do a segment on a, a thing, uh, John Fugel saying show called Shit You Just Can't Say. And the first one I did was on Caucasian because um, I used to joke that I put the cock in Caucasian. Uh, it's not funny anymore because uh, Caucasian ends up being a very racist term. Sorry, I didn't mean to bogart that from you, but I was just like I, – I did a whole spiel on this a week last year. <laughs> Well, the guy who came up with the term, essentially, he was super into phrenology, which is studying the skull shapes as if that actually predicts anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Complete pseudoscience, many, many times over debunked. But he fell in love with an Asian skull, and he was like, no, I got to justify it somehow white. So... He's he's basically the reason we have the word Caucasian is from a literal skull fucker. Mm, nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and he found it what in the Caucasus Mountains? Yeah. He was in um this region which includes Georgia, Azerbaijan, um I kind of I can't say the word because uh cuz wine. 
Azerbaijan. Yeah. Thank Azerbaijan. you. Uh, and uh, different parts of uh, Persia, he basically included in Caucasians this term. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because it didn't include Western Europeans, he broadened it and include, include Western Europeans, some of uh, Northern Indian populations, um, and basically kind of came up with this term Caucasian, and it carried over to the United States. And so for uh, there was a period of time in which Caucasians were only allowed into the United States. And when there was a man from India that was arguing he is Caucasian because he follows under that umbrella that was originally uh, established by Blumenbach. Yeah, that was basically when they uh, re-established what exactly Caucasian meant. The U.S. was that racist that they're like, okay, let's we gotta re, we gotta re-establish uh, what this whole uh, term means and throw out these populations that don't suit us. Basically, God. anybody who's not Western European. Just the deeply most racist fucking. Yeah, place. yeah. No, they, uh, I, they teach this in uh, like basic linguistics classes too, because it's part of like Caucasus-based languages, and like mm-hmm. it's basically the part where they're telling you all of the. There's like eight main families of languages mm-hmm. on the world, like where they come from, and the the point of this lecture is basically just be like all of the names are gibberish, like they don't mean shit. Right? They're all yeah. oh super God. racist people. Like this is Nakdravidian, and you're like, what the fuck, like. <laughs> I was very bad at linguistics and I used to flirt with my TA to pass that class. I was, <laughs> it would be like subjugate this verb. And I'd be like, I, all of these look exactly the same to me. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, I was going to say, he thought the people of the Caucasus mountains were the most attractive people, you know? So again, mm-hmm. skull fucker, but he thought they were so hot, you know, that he decided that that, and he, he also decided that that's uh, the reason why he decided that they were the first people created by God because they were so hot. I think that's fair. One of my best friends from high school is Slovakian and his mm-hmm. girlfriend is Bulgarian and they're both like six feet tall, dark hair, blue eyes. Like they're both, I mean, I, he started <laughs> dating. I was like, you're going to have super babies. I was like, this is awesome for you, Marty. I love this. Um, <laughs> people from the, the caucus, the Balkans, super hot. I, I will say much taller than us poor Irish Jewish folk from the West. <laughs> like... Now, I am kind of sad that with ending the show, there were so many interviews where I attempted to have or schedule, and it just never happened. Should we talk about who our dream guests would have been that we could have had or people that didn't answer? I feel like we should go around and do that, and then we should also say, like, who our favorite. We should focus it a little bit on being at the last episode, other than our mommy <laughs> sh- issues and why Caucasians are racist. It's hard for me to say who I wish I could have had had on because you never know until you have that interview whether or not they're a good or terrible interview or mm. mediocre. Yeah, yeah. Like someone could be a nobody and then they're a hysterical interview, but somebody could be a huge name and you're like, get me out of here. Right. Please edit this down. And we're going to compliment our editor in two seconds <laughs> because we need to talk about him. We love you, Kane. We really do love Kane. This show stands for Kane. Mm-hmm. But for example, like I had scheduled on a show a, a woman who used to live in the Playboy Mansion and yeah. at one point dated Donald Trump. That fell apart three times. We like we sat here like waiting for her and her like management and confirmed like the day before and we were like sitting here waiting and then she just never showed and we we're like, fuck, that would have been such a great interview. It's so many questions. I 
reached out to people on like history of, you know, them being like the first Asian or like the history of being like one of the first prominent, like, you know, black performers or like Asia Carrera, you know, I reached out to her people. I reached out to like people who were like historians on like, hey, here's how like black women have been eroticized throughout the years and they fall into very, these very specific categories. And I'm like, I want to talk about that and how we can, you know, combat some of these, you know, myths just because it's 2021. I wanted to have these conversations and they kind of never happened, but there's only so much you could do when creating a show. And most people don't realize until they're in the hot seat of booking people and trying to arrange and coordinate how hard this is to put together. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, I did that podcast where I interviewed men that left mean comments about me on the internet. And like, I got a, a saw, I got 10 episodes out of it. (laughs) by the time anyone figured out what I was doing and was like, absolutely fucking not. I will not come on your podcast. But like, it was (laughs) brutal. I mean, I was like working, I'd be like, anytime, anytime you're available. I was up in like night to like talk to people in India and Uh fucking Minneapolis. Like I was talking to like people all over and I was like, fuck, I was like, this is, and I'm like just trying to convince them with anything. Like you can do it on your phone. You can do it this way. Like super easy, just a Zoom link. You don't have to do video. Like all of this, like trying to get people to do it it's fuck it's brutal God. having like a without like a active producer doing that booking mm-hmm. and doing that work for you it's i mean doing a podcast is it's a lot more than just turning on the camera and even yeah. the turning on the camera getting everything set up getting all the technical stuff like whenever i tell people like they're like oh what do you do and i'm like oh mostly podcasts and they're like oh that's so you're like you're so lucky that's so great like, the first time I ever had to host my, like, podcast by myself, I, like, we stopped the recording and Romaine, our producer on that show, was like, how do you think that went? And, like, all I could say was, like, Joe Rogan's job is way harder than I thought it was. <laughs> like, I have to yeah. eat so much crow today. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my show that I do is we've been on hiatus for a little bit because my co-host had a baby and he's been working on some other projects. So we just kind of, like, took a little break. It's so much work to keep the momentum and get guests. And there are guests that we've been like really trying to get that are like super busy and aren't having multiple people's schedules line up. And in the meantime, while we've been on break, another, a comic who she's verified, she has a little bit of a following, has launched a podcast in the last two months with our exact same name. And I don't Stop. know, literally verbatim the same name. Two people know, have done this to me in the last couple of months. So I so appreciate this. Yeah. And it's like a simple search will show you that that name is already taken by a show. And my co-host, he has like management. He has like a little bit of following. He's, you know, it's kind of one of those like, I know you know who one of us is. Like, this is so ridiculous. Yikes. And so we keep getting tagged on Instagram in shit for their show. And I keep being like, hey, wrong show. Ours has been around for about a year and a half longer than theirs. I don't know, pals. Like, wow. just little dumb things that like, there's no, there's no law. It's not an IP thing. Like, yeah. uh, you know. I got the name stolen for a podcast that I was planning to do by a comedy show here in L.A., that I told the girl, I was like, oh, like I like mentioned, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm working on this concept Stop. and this is the name, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, now it's a comedy show. It was about OnlyFans creators and it was called Only Friends. Wow. wow and wow. they stole it. And then this other girl that I had asked to be a guest on the show, like for preliminary recordings to get the first like five or 10 episodes, mm-hmm. right? 
was like, yeah, I want to do this show about like talking to creators about like, you know, what your day to day life is, blah, blah, blah. And like, she just came out with the show about like a month and a half ago. Wow. And it's exactly the same show. That's I'm, like, shady I, as fuck. I like, you know, I'm like, honestly, I'm at a point where I'm like, I don't actually want to do that concept anymore anyways. So right. I like tweeted as a, like, it was kind of a subtweet, but a joke the other night where I was like, I have too many ideas. Just please take them, give them homes. It's the principle. It's annoying when you're not like at least credited of like, oh, I got the idea, you know, or yeah. asked. It's annoying. Yeah. yeah. I pitch television shows and I've had, I mean, again, and it's one of those things where you have to realize like, you know, it's kind of like every idea has probably already been thought of at one point in time. Like it's, we're not as original as I, as original as I like to think I am, you know, I'm, I'm very Gen X. I don't think I'm that, you know, I wasn't told you can do anything. I was told like, ah, there's probably someone better than you. <laughs> you got to try hard. Uh, so I, I, I do come from that sort of like, you know, oh, I bet someone already thought of it. But one of the things, oh, I was writing a book about butts. I I did a podcast of, about butts on Ellie Ward's ologies because I, I, you know, I talked about the evolution of the human booty compared to non-human primates. A book agent heard it, loved it, kept saying she couldn't stop talking about my my uh, terrible, astounding butt puns. And so she asked me if I'd write a book about butts. And I was like, hey, I, I had an apartment fire this summer that sort of expedited my move back to LA and I, things kind of got put on ice for a second. And I wrote her and I said, I'm, I'm about to dive back into that sweet crack uh, and get into this butt book. And she said, slow your roll fool i just saw this and there's a, a book coming out in august 2022 which basically has this exact same title exact same premise all about but and i was just like <gasps> and I, I i felt terrible because i thought you know i don't know her and she doesn't have a very big yeah. following and but i i had, uh, did a show about butts in august like you do um at caveat in new york and I don't know if, you know, people had mentioned I'm writing a book about butts, but uh, I don't, apparently she sold it a while, even before me. And so I was oh, like, wow. I, I I thought I came up with this, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's so crazy how, and that's why anytime I have a pitch meeting and people tell me like, I want to talk to you about animal shows, I have to like start the meeting and go, just so you know, I've been doing this for 10, over 10 years. If it's about animals or science or comedy or the combination of all those three, most likely I've thought about it. So just yeah. don't think I'm stealing your idea. Right. Like it's, yeah. it's really, you have to almost like walk in as a walking NDA of like, I, I swear mm. I'm not, I'm not here to like live. I call it those Alfred Russell Wallace moments. So Charles Darwin published on the origin of species uh, in 1869, but he sat on it for over a decade about, you know, like he didn't want to publish it because he was mm -hmm. religious and he was afraid to. And then a guy named Alfred Russell Wallace had the same sort of type of voyage, came up with the same sort of theory of natural selection and sent his findings to Darwin. And Darwin read it and was like, oh, fuck. Like, oh, I better do something. This is my book. And yeah. so that was the fire. So I call it those Alfred Russell Wallace moments where you realize, you know what? I'm not that original. I, you know, I, and, and there, and I also am a big believer. There's no one like you, Kate. There's no one like you, Meredith. There's no one like you, Alice. There's no one like me. We're all going to do it differently and probably the best way that we can do possible. So it's always good to try what we've got, mm -hmm. but it's yeah. like every time I kind of hesitate, I'm always like Alfred Russell Wallace, you know, very few ideas are actually original, original. And yeah. I will say that I genuinely, if I see an execution of an idea of mine and it's better mm -hmm. than mine was, I like I have the wherewithal <laughs> to be like that. That's better. You same. did it better. It Absolutely makes more sense. To you. I'll tell people that I'll be like, hi, I have this idea and it works better if you do it than if I do it. Mm -hmm. Like it just makes more sense for who you are as a person or your voice is going to lend something to this. Please take it because it's not mine. Like I've seen like jokes that I was doing in stand up for like months that were recorded that were online 
Mm-hmm. And I, I can assume that someone probably did see this and then it becomes a TikTok and it gets 300 million views. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's disappointing. But you hit the timing. At least the joke is right. good. Yeah. <laughs> right. But what pisses me off is when they don't do it well. Yeah, when they don't do it well, I get really annoyed. But if you steal my idea and you make it better, we, we're good, homie. Like, we're all good. I don't know. I mean, you want to say that if someone steals your idea, it makes it good. But what I don't like is if they admit to your face they steal your idea. So, for example, when this show first came out, first off, I didn't see any podcasts that were reviewing porn when we came out three years ago. Since then, thankfully, there's so many more sex workers or so many people who are sex positive hosting so many shows right now. I remember vividly. We've had the show for like a solid six months. And then I was at a party in New York and a girl comes up to me and she said, hey, I listened to your show and it's great. And she pitched it to a podcast network and copied it completely. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that would, that would annoy me. That would it was a massive That would annoy me a lot, move. yeah. Not yeah, cool. so still annoyed, and it's still running, so because it has a network backing. Yeah. But, you know, I, I should talk about for a sec, like, some of the amazing guests we've had on. So, um, look, I can't talk about who we haven't had on. That's amazing because How we're not we? having any more. Exactly. It's not <laughs> but, like, for example, um, Natalia, you were here for, like, when we had Amberly Rothfield on, you know. Oh, my God. She was great. I love her so much. She became, like... One of my close friends uh, when we had Eva Lovia on. Yeah, she was very fun. Right? I loved her. I loved uh, Harrison Reed was really fun to have on. Dr. Justin Lee Miller. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Todd Berger, when we did the pu- let my pu- Let My Puppets Come is still one of my... I've never <laughs> thought I would recommend a porno to my dad, but I literally sat down and my, told my dad. I sent it to my dad. I sent my dad a porn and said, you need to watch this, father. It's uh, It's imperative. You'll become a better dad. Ketamine dream. Ketamine oh, yeah. No, it's a ketamine-fueled fever dream. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys haven't seen it, please watch it. Oh, my God. The dog. Oh, the dog puppet. Uh. My one regret from the show, my only regret, is that I never sat down and recorded an episode after watching um, The Puppet Inside Me, which was uh, one Leroy Myers came out with, yeah. won a ton of awards. Shit. And it's a one that Tommy Pistol, where they um, built a custom couch for him to fuck. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's wow. really special. That's- <laughs> one regret. That's- <laughs> we had, uh, I think I did one with you where we interviewed Tommy Pistol. He's been on at least once. At least once. We had Mike Quasar on, the uh, curmudgeonly porn director. That was a Aww. fun one. Uh, yeah, he had a lot to say. Uh, Jen Gunter is still one of my favorite episodes. Um, that was really cool in general. I like read her book before we did that episode. Like I like She's prepared. Great. I like, cause she had been like, had some like non sex work friendly tweets and I was like going to nail her on it. And mm. then she was like really nice and open and was like, oh yeah, I was wrong. And I was like, oh, you seem cool. Sorry. That <laughs> is the great. biggest thing. There are a lot of like celebrities and mm-hmm. stuff, mainstream celebrities, you know, not important or anything that have had really anti-sex work tweets or comments in interviews and things, maybe like 10 years ago or however, at what time. Mm -hmm. And the ones that can come back later and be like, hey, I was wrong or I didn't know or this was my attitude then. I've learned and grown. That's like, cool. Then like no beef. I like, I'm the first to admit when I was like in my early 20s, I had, I was so anti-sex work, so, such like a, like, 
horror hater. <laughs> and then I obviously changed my mind considering, <laughs> but yeah. I went through one day and I've been on Twitter since 2009 and I went through one day and I searched my handle and just random words to see if I've ever tweeted anything really offensive. Fortunately, most of the bad ones, nothing, nothing there. I'm not that big of a piece of shit, but there were some things that were like really horphobic that I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And this is when I was like, in my mid twenties, like engaged or married and just playing this little Stepford wife role. And like, I was like, lighten up, like take your tampon out. I don't know. I think it's very, very fair to just admit that like everyone's a fucking moron until you're at least 25. Yeah, exactly. Like you're an idiot. Your brain's not fully developed. My (laughs) original Twitter account, like way before I was Kate Kennedy, Uh, that I had like in college was deleted in like the mass purge of Twitter accounts that have not Mm. been active since like 2015. So I, but I did go back and look at it before it was deleted. It was deleted. You won't find it. I'm so glad it's gone. Like not that I never said anything offensive. I'm like one of those people. I'm so white. I've never even said the N word alone in my house to see if I could. Yeah, no, same. Like never. I'm very non-offensive, but like the whole Twitter was just me complaining about things. Not that I don't do that now. Sure. But like it was just dumb. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're if you're listening to this and you're under 25, you're an idiot. Yeah. Don't post don't. it on the internet so that people don't. don't remember it. Cause like you just go be an idiot. It's totally fine. But also like have that attitude of like I was young or I didn't know better. I was wrong. Right. I learned. I learned that, I like, educated. That's, that's you know? literally the biggest thing I think that would benefit our societies. Everybody could like adapt that mentality of yeah. like, I was wrong. Just be able to admit that you were fucking wrong. Like, yeah. I think that and also people being able to forgive because it's really easy yeah. to be yeah. self-righteous online. And, and you know, I, I think we all could be guilty of, of both sides of it, of making mistakes and being afraid to admit it because when you because, you know, if you admit that you're wrong, there's going to be people right. who will refuse to forgive you. Works. You know, and I'm yeah. old enough. I, I'm the old one here that I, I, I didn't get on social media until I think I was 26, 25 or two. I got hit by a truck when I was 25, and I don't think I was on social media yet. I got on, I think, MySpace because, yeah, I think I didn't even have – I didn't even think I had a computer until I was, like, 24. You know what I mean? I I, I yeah. kind of grew up in this time where I – and I, I was talking to somebody. Actually, my un, the guy – my unemployment uh, friend that I made yesterday after talking for three <laughs> hours trying to sort out my unemployment, we're both Gen X, and just we kind of walked that line that we straddle the line of – pre-digital and digital where we, you know, we we remember come home when the streetlights come on, playing in mm-hmm. cornfields, you know, being in the mud all day. The advent of Atari and, and Nintendo, it oh. didn't exist when I was born. So it was one of those things that I kind of got into, but it was never like, this is what you do at age four. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's something that we got when I was nine or something, you know? So, and then now the internet, and now I have to learn not to say stupid shit and post dumb pictures. I talk about that a lot because I didn't get a smartphone until I was 18. Like I had like a Motorola Razor because I'm the mm-hmm. youngest here by yeah. a little bit. I'm yeah, 27, almost 28. Um, but I didn't have a smartphone until I was 18. So I didn't have Instagram in college or in high school. Mm-hmm. I didn't have Twitter. I'm so fu- I didn't even have Facebook. I didn't have MySpace because my parents wouldn't let me. And I am looking back so grateful 
that I yeah. didn't have. Like, I can't imagine having Instagram in high school. Like, I was so insecure. Oh my God, no. I was, first of all, so gross. Like, I'm what? so glad that, like, the only pictures of that are, like, on, like, in my dad's digital camera archive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very glad that, like, the worst stuff that I posted online is from when I'm 18. And it wasn't yeah. that bad because I was 18. Now, kind of going back for a sec and, you know, talking about conversations, when this show started, it was a way to review porn for the plot. And our first few episodes, I don't want to listen to like the first 20 because I'm sure they're terrible. We got a following. I don't know how. (laughs) If you've stuck with us since then, God bless. But like, I, I think about some of the conversations that I had with people where it just completely opened my eyes and just, you know, changed my mind, you know, whether it was talking to and even learning from people like, you know, Buck Angel or Kristen Davis or, you know, Christy Canyon, Ginger Lynn or Dred's Penis. Um, you can learn something from everyone and everything. I've learned a lot from Dred's Penis. Right? <laughs> Not just how to appreciate more Steely Dan <laughs> and cauliflower on pizza. You were reeling in more than just the years, weren't you now? <laughs> so speaking of fish. Warms the cockles um, of my heart. I know none of you guys were on this episode, but when we reviewed back, this was like, oh my God, within the first 15 episodes, when we reviewed the Big Lebowski Triple X with Matt Lieb, in the first 10 minutes, he tells a story about de-skinning a big mouth billy bass fish and fucking it. No. Yes. (laughs) Mm, I don't like that. Okay, as someone that has a big mouth billy bass. (laughs) Is it worth listening to the early episodes Honestly, maybe. (laughs) So if you're jonesing for more of this content and you haven't listened to all of it, go back and listen to our archive. (laughs) Some people are are ass men. Some people are bass men. And it sounds like uh, (laughs) we know what he was. (laughs) He's a bass man. Can I give a shout out real quick to a couple of my favorite people that have been on the show that I just, I, I also, yes. first of all, Mike Drucker, because we talked about video games for a second and we talked, we, we did the uh, Bowser, Bowser porn. That was one of my absolute <laughs> favorites. Um, and, uh, well, Amberly, of course, but also, uh, God, John Fugel saying when we did uh, the Star Wars porn, that was great. Which was just shot for shot recreation of Star Wars. It was. And, oh, Incredible. Alex Falcone, he was fucking hysterical for Napoleon Dynamite. Hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. That was great. Oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And that bear. The bear. Oh, God. <laughs> There was a bear. What, what did the bear even do? Like it, it just a, kept showing up in sex scenes. It was just a random bipedal bear in the corner. You know, it was like sort of a you know the elephant in the room, but it was <laughs> the bear in the corner. Just uh, I don't know. Like when you have someone sitting on the side of a porn set pretending to sleep, imagine them in a bear costume. <laughs> <laughs> it was delightful. Meredith, who were your favorite guests? Do you want to shout anybody um, out? The last one, uh, I guess the last show that I did when we reviewed the Pirates 2, which was what, like the biggest budget porn ever or something? Like how many, it was like a $6 million porn or something ridiculous. Damn. Something absurd. To where like I was watching it and getting so into the plot, I started to get irritated when they started fucking. I was like, no, <laughs> that's not what I'm watching this for. Get back to the story. Um, we had, we were watching it with Nash Flynn. And they were hilarious and they're so funny. And it was like such a great banter. And we all just like had 
such a great time doing that that episode. I feel so bad, by the way, for Savannah Solo, who I had on the show to review the first Pirates, and I don't remember it because I got accidentally drunk. I feel like I got very accidentally drunk when we reviewed Storage Wars with Suzanne Ferrari. Storage whores, man. Storage whores, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I got really drunk while we were reviewing that. But it was so funny because she is a huge Storage Wars fan and like has like watches it all the time. Suzanne is? Yeah. Yeah, she was like, I love Storage <laughs> Wars. I fully buy that. Yeah. And we were like, I don't watch the show. She was like, no, no, no. It was really accurate. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) But no, those I those two were really, really incredibly fun. Pirates too. I think I've like solicited that particular porn to other people to watch. Like (laughs) just for the plot. For the story. I've done that with Kill Bill XXX because we did that (laughs) one. Who did we do we do with Eva Olivia? That was with um, Drake. Oh, Drake Gatsby, right? Yes. Yes. I remember this. Okay, that was really fun. That one's like an excellent little Tarantino homage. Um, Shout out to Eva Lovia. She was one of my favorite guests. Very fun. I love any former porn sex worker who's like making it good in the mainstream world. And she's, yeah, very fun to talk to. Um, Josh Potter for putting up with us, trying to like go to that studio. randomly on Santa Monica Boulevard that we couldn't get into um and watching the uh, the Brady Bunch XXX which was very fun to review um Harrison Tweed was very fun to talk to other let's see comedians we've had on I mean aside from like Tom Arnold there was a uh, Sherard Small like it, it, he's so hysterical I remember growing up and seeing him on like the I love the 90s um just being like that talking head commentary <laughs> And to now have had him on my podcast and now we're friends and he's just so fucking great. And seeing him have some mainstream success, I just want to continue seeing that for all our comic friends. Let's see, who else? And all of our porno friends too, if that's what they want or continued adult success, whichever is good for you. I feel like one of the cool things about this podcast is that we talk to a lot of adult people, but a lot of the adult people we talk to are also people that have mainstream careers in some way Mm -hmm. where they're not just doing adult they're also writers or they're entrepreneurs or they're actors or whatever and like it's been really cool to get to showcase both sides of the industry of like the because really at the end of the day like this show was watching porn for the plot right right (laughs) we're watching them do like not uh, sex on camera is a fucking skill it's a fucking skill but we're watching them do like the acting and the costumes and the all of that kind of thing. And so getting to talk to people that have been in these, been associated with these, myself included, seeing them having moved on into doing like new stuff that they're passionate about has been like such a cool part of this show. Yeah, like we've had on the show, Joanna Angel, Samantha Mack, mm. Brie Miller, all of which, you know, have really found and hit their stride. You know, I saw recently, Natalia, you did like a show of Sylvia Sage. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm doing I one next her. week. Yeah, yeah I'm doing a, we're doing a comedy show next week. Oh, fun. it's in North Hollywood. Ha ha cafe. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly where that is. That's close. Yeah. I will totally, totally come to that. Yay. I, I have to say that we have to thank one person in particular, which is Kane Power. He's our editor uh, Mm -hmm. because, you know, frankly, most people don't realize what goes into editing a podcast. And most people especially don't have any idea what it takes to edit an Alice podcast. (laughs) Hey, King, cut that out. Cut that out. out. Don't cut that out. (laughs) I hosted and edited a daily podcast for a while, and I know how 
just time-consuming and meticulous and hard and terrifying it can be to just make it perfect. And he, every time, I feel like does such a great job making us sound so much funnier, brighter, wittier. Thank you, Kane. Thank you, Kane. Yeah, 100%. Like, we're professionals who can actually tell dick jokes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In all seriousness, so just so you guys have an idea of how neurotic I am, We had been editing the first 17 episodes, Yvette and I edited by hand. I'm not exaggerating when I say an average episode, just myself alone to edit, took about 8 to 12 hours. This is brutal. It is. And we spoke a lot over each other. There were stutters. There were filler words. And I wanted someone who can edit as well as I could edit if I just stepped back. So I interviewed 70 plus people. (laughs) And when I got down to my final dozen, what I did was, I'm not even joking when I say this. So we had, um, and I love Nina Hartley, but she didn't connect her headphones when she recorded her audio. Oh no. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. So all of our tracks you can hear us on the back of her audio. Oh, no. Uh-huh. So it took bare minimum three weeks to edit. I took the first five minutes of the show, um, and I basically said, hey, here's first five minutes of all three of our tracks. Clean this up. I want to see how it sounds. I was from there was able to narrow it down to two, but really from those two, his, it sounded radio quality. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. He is fantastic. If you want to use him, go to precisionpodcasting.com. You know, whether you're a newbie and you, you know, you need just the bare minimum cleaned up, or if you are insane like I am, he can absolutely accommodate you. He does not get enough credit for this show. And I will say his rates are very reasonable. As someone who's priced out and worked with like a lot of producers who make a lot more than Kane does, Kane. I'm not telling you you should raise your rates, but they're very affordable, especially if you're like a new podcaster who doesn't have a ton of money to throw at it and you're trying to do an episode like Kane is actually someone that even within my reach was very within reach. Yeah. And he gets comedy because that's the thing that I think is really important is as somebody who edits video and podcasts and, and hires people to do that, understanding how jokes work, how timing works, he gets it and he makes it even better. Yeah. Because he's so good. So precisionpodcasting.com. I know I've now plugged it like three times, but seriously, if you're doing any audio work, if your friend is thinking about doing a podcast, if you're thinking about doing a podcast, I'm going to say don't. But if you are, (laughs) have him edit it and it'll sound great. (laughs) Everybody's doing it, Alice. It's like, you know, it's the gateway. Yeah, it's the gateway drug. I'd rather someone do drugs and start a podcast. I will encourage it. In all seriousness, please. That's how I feel when people want to do stand-up. I'm like, would you like to ruin your entire life? Like, is that what you want? You don't Mm. feel like you need to live anymore, but you're too much of a coward to end it. Okay. Literally, I have not. I stopped, like, really trying to do stand-up because I was doing stand-up pretty consistently for, like, three years pre-Pandy. And... I've gotten up a handful of times in Texas because I have friends there that just will put me on whatever show I ask for. Like, and I just, I've had like zero desire to like put any effort into it anymore. (laughs) Like I'd rather die than go to an open mic again. I don't, I don't care. (laughs) I've, uh, I've backed away from a lot of it the last like 
especially a few weeks, but a couple of months for kind of the same reason of just, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I literally could do anything else besides talk to these people. <laughs> yeah. But on that note, Alice, what is next for you after this episode wraps? What are you doing next? Well, uh, you know, starting in the new year, I'm going to be settling down after a year of traveling. So by the end of this year, I'll have officially moved 17 times. Jesus. <laughs> right? We're moving to Vegas. I'm excited. I can't believe I'm going to say I'm going to be a West Coaster, but I really am genuinely excited about it. I have some new products in the mix that I'm working on. Hopefully I can line up some distribution deals. And if I don't, then we'll see what happens. I'm really hoping in the next year, I know it sounds crazy, but I have a goal of launching a like a combination private dog park and bar and plus yeah. we work. So if you combine all those things, that's what I want to launch in the next year. So essentially a place where you can go drink and hang out with your dog and other dogs. It combines all of my passions, including extreme liability. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone can get insurance on that project, it's you. Yes, I I absolutely believe in you. If anyone can also not get insurance on this project, it's also me. (laughs) Squeegee will be one of your first ambassadors. She will go and test everything out and make sure it's safe for all dogs. I'll bring Raisin. If my dog was nice to other dogs, I would I would bring him, but he's not. So oh. <laughs> he's not allowed at the dog park. He's kind of a dick. <laughs> I'm definitely going to tap into you guys when I need to start naming drinks because, you know, uh, my bartenders, you know, oh need to be serving. <laughs> Alice, you thought of everything. Oh, I'm already thinking of the puns. There is a restaurant in Palm Springs. We just, we had brunch there the other day called Booze Hounds. And it's like a super dog friendly place. And a bunch of their shit on the menu is like all dog puns. But it's not a dog park. It's a restaurant. But they have like a whole dog menu. Like have like dog brunch. Well, yeah, because you need to have a, like a Paul Loma. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the schnauzer exactly. schnitz. Shrit. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Barkerita. A barkerita, yeah. Barkeritas, <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Wienermeister shots. <laughs> oh, my God. The retriever, but it's what you order when you're looking for your girlfriend. <laughs> no. Like, you get a shot, and you're like, where the fuck is my girlfriend? Because she's part, like, petting all these puppies. <laughs> Someone goes out to find her amongst the puppies. <laughs> There's the good girl and good boy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Good girl. Good boy. That's a good thing. No, I'm very excited for this for you, Alice. I think you're going to yeah. be amazing at this job. Like, I've been talking to you through, like, a lot of these different iterations and all that's been happening. And it's very exciting. And I think you're just going to be amazing and you're going to kill it in Vegas. I hope so, too. And by the way, if anyone's in Vegas, unless I know you, don't hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> I am 100% going to come see I'm you. I love Vegas. Too, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. And you will have a place to stay with me, guaranteed. Love it. <laughs> but ladies, what are you guys working on or hoping for 2022? Because who knows if anything's going to pan out. <laughs> well, we are, my podcast, Like a Virgin, not... The other one, the one starring me, Meredith Jacqueline, and Mateen Stewart. We are going to be relaunching our show. Uh, We've been on a break for a little bit. We're launching season three starting at the beginning of the year. Also kind of working on some merch and um, a book proposal. That's just kind of like a fun guide to sex and dating. Not going to give too much information away because I don't want anybody to steal my idea. 
Not that it's like particularly original, but whatever. Just trust me. That's kind of it for the moment that I'm like comfortable even like announcing. Um, I'm just kind of shifting a lot more focus. I used to do so much focus on like comedy and memes and stuff. And I'm sort of shifting more toward like this traditional influencer lifestyle. So some new brand partnerships, some new kind of direction as far as like Instagram goes. It's just a new season of life. Not quite as horny. (laughs) It's one of those phrases from like conservative Christians that I actually totally get off like I'm like I'm very into it I feel like the Duggars are always like we're just in a different season of life yeah it's like Like, you guys suck but I like that phrase because it makes sense it does it's you kind of just kind of shift into like a different priority so um I'm very excited about working on this book proposal and kind of some of like more doing more writing and more focus on things that don't put me like in people's faces but more so kind of show a little bit more of like my depth <laughs> and mental capacity. Natalia? Hello, it is Natalia. Uh, so yeah, uh, what am I doing next? Well, I ha- uh, as like I mentioned earlier, I made a escape from New York earlier this summer after living there for four years and 12 moves. And I'm excited to be back in Los Angeles, the land of my people. So uh, I've got a comedy show most immediately, uh, but uh, this probably will air after the comedy show. So if you want to find more comedy shows, just find me on the Twitter. But um, I'm a primatologist. Many of you probably know this about the fact that I've talked about monkey uh, sex, wieners, clitorides, which is the plural term for clitoris, if you... uh, you're welcome. But also, uh, I'm working on a show called Going Ape, which is a video podcast. But um, also, I've been doing a series on TikTok because, uh, you know, if you can't be the youth, you just join them. So I've been doing that. And uh, also in the process of uh, one of my favorite farms when I did field work in Panama, uh, where I studied spider monkeys in 2010, is up for sale. And so I'm actually in talks to buy that land uh, and start a nonprofit to build a primate field slash surf school, which I used to joke about doing when I left Panama in 2010. Like if all the world goes to hell in a handbasket, screw it, moving back to Panama, opening a primate field slash surf school. And I uh, found out that one of my favorite farms, Fincas, is up for sale. So I might be doing that. And uh, if that is the case and you hear this and you want to help out, I would love your help. And it's going to be a great opportunity for Panamanian students, international students, the wildlife. It has three species of monkey uh, great surfing, deep sea fishing, lots of cool other endemic plants and animals. So that is also very uh, exciting for me. And it is it is a new season for me. I've, 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 I'm 42 <laughs> years young. I, uh, I froze eggs this year. I've got 10 of them uh, in a cooler outside of Boston. My grandpa asked me the other night, what am I going to do with them? I told him I'm going to make him a very tiny omelet. It made him laugh, uh, which made me very happy. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe in a, maybe in a couple years, I'll if it hasn't collected too much dust, I will pop a, a wee bebe out of my womb and uh, we'll see. That is an incredible joke. The, the tiny omelet thing. <laughs> oh, please omelet. do that on stage. That is the one of the funniest things I think I've ever heard. <laughs> the little mushrooms. Tiny <laughs> little tiny uh, little omelet. Uh, An omelet for it. <laughs> the very smelled humans. And uh, yeah, I, hopefully just, again, pitching television shows. And oh, yeah, the book, the butt book isn't happening. But we're kind of, we're, we're switching gears. We're pivoting and we're focusing on junk. I can't tell you much more about that, but think junk. Awesome. <laughs> 
not necessarily in the trunk, but just junk. So, uh, mm. uh, yeah, this is what happens when you study monkeys and sex and, and uh, you, you, <laughs> you pivot and you switch and you put your mind in your in the gutter and you keep it there, both literally and metaphorically. The view is great from the gutter because you can just look up. And when at you look stars, up, you can see the stars. We're all in the gutter. So we're all Some of us are looking at the stars. We're yeah. all in the gutter. Right. My mom's like, keep your mind out of the gutter. And I'm like, that's where I like to keep it. I like to be amongst the other trash. This is where I am comfortable, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That's why this is the same argument that I use for why I like going to the Goodwill distribution center. It's like I am more comfortable amongst the trash and I bring my own gloves. I am fine. Yeah. <laughs> I like it here. I feel safe here. The drugs are I feel better very in the safe here. <laughs> Outside of like the tiny Asian women that elbow me out of the way to get to very whatever. Serious. Tenacious. Very serious. Tenacity. Oh. They're on a mission. And I can't blame them. I can't. I can't. I still get good vines. Um, (laughs) Much like Alice, I am moving in the new year, like out of Hollywood. Are you staying in LA? No, No. I'm moving very far away up north. I will be roughly like 20 miles from the Canadian border. Wow. 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 Yeah, I'm moving to a small town. I am going to work for my uncle um, to develop a large community events venue and like 500 units of affordable housing, which will be very cool. So I'll be going back to kind of my college roots and working in urban planning. I might Yay. be going to get my master's, which is very exciting. Awesome. Um, cool. Basically, I get to go convince a bunch of grumpy old white people that this would be a good thing for their town, which I think I would be amazing at personally. Um, I'm not disclosing exactly where I'm moving because it's quite a small town and I don't really need everybody. But um, yeah, hopefully Squeegee and I will have like a nice little two-bedroom place with maybe a little yard for her and plenty of room if any of you guys ever want to come visit. It's a cute little college town. Um, so I will be going up to work for them and I will be uh, close to my grandmother who's in her 80s. So it'll be really nice oh, to be around nice. my family. My cousin's so about good. to have a baby um, in the summer. So it'll be really nice to be around that uh, kind of moving into that season of life with family so that's kind of been very new um i won't be leaving la until june july so i'll be here Mm. for a little bit i have a new show coming out in it'll start in february a new solo podcast that's kind of exciting uh where i will be reading all of the books that i have lied about reading for the last 10 years on my book (laughs) Because oh I was looking God. and I was like, wait a second. I was like, I've been pretending that I read Faulkner for like 10 oh years. I should just do this. I have pretended to read every book. Yeah. Every so book. my new podcast will be dropping in February. It's called Averagely Attractive, Somewhat Literate. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's basically like a book report, book school. I, I, it's a solo project. I might have guests on eventually, but um, I will be reading all of the books. We'll be reading one coming my Faulkner. Uh, Can make it like, a, like an adult book club. Kind of, yeah, but mostly yeah. just me being like, can you fucking believe that this, this is ridiculous? <laughs> like, I didn't, and, and also all of the lies I have told about re- having read these books over the years. Are you going to read 80, like 1984 and Brave New World? Because I feel like those are so apt, or Handmaid's Tale, like those are. So I did actually read 1984. I really liked 1984. Brave New World was never on my syllabus. I did, I will say, I was a good student. So I read all of the books that were on my syllabus. Like all of that, like. I always read the required reading. I was a good liar. I never. I read ha! some of them, but my mom was an English teacher with a master's degree, so I just would like ask her. I was such a good manipulative question asker that 
I always read Cliff's notes and then I would be like, mom, what did you think about that? And she would just go on and I'd be like, "Uh uh-huh, yep. (laughs) And I was the same way where I'd be like, I could get, and a lot of those books, like they are so in like the cultural, like I see you can get the gist of them, but I actually do want to read them. Like I have them. I worked, my first job ever when I was 14 was at a bookstore. So I have a lot of these books like already. Which is part of it because I was like very low buy-in to this project. I'm like, wait, I already have the book. I should just fucking read this book. Like, It's embarrassing that I have it. I'm definitely winding down my hot on the internet career. Mm. So I don't know how much longer I will be. uh, My my new job is public facing. So I don't know how much longer I'll be able to like really maintain my OnlyFans and stuff. Definitely until I move. But up until, you know... So I will be transitioning kind of like you were saying into more of the like, this is what my brain does too. Mm -hmm. And even though it's sloshy and gray and usually (laughs) infused with a decent amount of Pinot, uh, it's pretty sexy as far as gray sludge goes. So definitely moving more into that too. So uh, keep an eye on my uh, Twitter, my Instagram. My Twitter is at the OG Kennedy. My Instagram is at the PG Kennedy. And also I'm relaunching Squeegee, my three-legged dogs uh, Instagram, working on that right now. What? (laughs) With what, a fourth leg? If only. (laughs) That would be really fun. Somebody asked me if she died the other day. So I was like, fuck. I was like, I have to go do this. Um, But Squeegee's Instagram, it just got rebranded and it's at the OG Squeegee. Rebranded. Yeah, we rebranded. <laughs> I didn't have a good name for it before. And yeah, so we've rebranded, and uh, you can follow my dog Aww. and all of her Aww. adventures. So, yeah. I'm sorry, Squeeze, for making fun of your rebrand. Oh, I, as we all do. I mean, I I was telling her, I was like, you have to be good this time. Like, because I tried for like a solid amount of 2020. I spent like the whole summer trying to make her into a TikTok star. She does something so cute, and as soon as you like put the camera on her. She's like mm. very camera shy dog. So trying to just keep people updated again, because someone asked me like a rant reply guy, like DM me and was like, did your dog die? Oh, I haven't what? seen her in ages. <laughs> I made an Instagram for my dog right when I got him like three years ago. And I kept, I was posting consistently for a long time. And then I was just like, I had too many things to keep up with. And I just like for stop posting on my dog's Instagram. It still exists. And he's really cute. And like, fun. So I feel like I should try to start that up because like mostly because I just want to make money off of him. Like uh, that's what I keep telling her. I'm like, <laughs> you have to get a job. You don't contribute to this household right. in you're any a way. You're freeloader in my house. And you're very expensive. Like at least yeah. be a write-off. Squeegee, right. it's farmer's dog. It's $188 every two weeks. Like I'm like, you have Jesus. to contribute to this fuck. I know I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna unsubscribe. Like, I've tried the fresh food for my dog and it makes it, he makes him sick. You should try to get a pet chicken because they eat the most natural food. They'll eat their own eggs. I'm not even kidding. It's fresh as f- fresh as fuck. They they lay an egg. They won't eat it if they just lay it. But if you like break it, they'll go to town on it. That's gnarly. Yeah, it's delicious. Animals are gnarly. Yeah, I mean, they will eat their young. But then again, we uh. eat their. Period, essentially, because that's what that is. That's that true. is true. So. That's yeah. true. Well, humans yeah. eat all kinds of things we're not supposed to be eating. Guys, please don't eat our periods. Like, unless there's consent involved. I don't know. I you mean, know what? If, if you're a woman willing to sell it, go for it. That's capitalism. Does anyone want to buy my period? 
<laughs> buymyperiod.com. Brought to you. Should see if anybody wants to buy. Hi. I wonder if Planned Parenthood will let me keep my IUD when I, they take it out. <gasps> Hold well, on. I mean, probably put it in a jar. I should sell, sell that. It. Do you know how much dudes, like how many f- very famous people sperm that has prevented impregnating me with? Meredith, bad news. Buymyperiod.com is registered. God damn it. <laughs> Oh, I want to sell my IUD. I get it out in three years. I've had it since I was 30. Buymyiud.com is available. That's good. Okay. Um, this actually was in my femur for a couple of years. So I was going to say they oh, did let they that. did let me keep. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not selling this shit. I got hit by a truck. I'm keeping it. Um, oh, that's but yeah, I call it my my phallic warrior sword. So if they let me keep this, they might let you keep your IUD. Mm. I'm going to ask them at Planned Parenthood. It'll be like, look, this I'm is true. And can I not only keep mine, can I keep like the people who came in before me? No, no, no. Mine is worth so much money. No, but you just sell the others and not tell them it's, it's not yours unless they have a DNA test. Who cares? I fucked multiple members of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Like, there are multiple baby superheroes that don't exist thanks to that Marina. Nobody like that famous. Well, I've fucked a few famous people, but not that famous. But I've had my IUD since I was 30, and I'm 37, and I don't get it out till I'm 40 because it's one of the copper no-hormones ones. There's a lot of mileage on this baby. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this is my whole porno career. So, (laughs) like, I got it, like, right after, like, the way I remember when I got it was because Donald Trump was president. Mm. And I was like, okay, so it was within that presidency. So like, yeah. I'm good until I mean, you're this spring. Crushing it, yeah, <laughs> crushing it, yeah. My whole porno career, basically, all of that is on this. If only it was like a memory card, more of an IU double D, like a little SIM card. In your like a little SIM card where I could just remember each the penis technology that went in exists. there. I know the technology it. exists. Smart IUDs. <laughs> Smart That's IUD. the last in, the last invention on TGOM <laughs> that we've come up with. Smart we need a IUDs. Smart IUD. <laughs> oh, we could have an app and it connect yes. to your phone and be like your pH you is fucked. a little off. And like you had sex with this. You're person. ovulating. You have had sex with blah, blah, blah. We have prevented pregnancy. We directly prevented this fertilization. <laughs> that was inferior sperm, and you're like it was one of the lesser Avengers. That you're was shooting blanks. It was Hawkeye. No. <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) So, Kate, you told us where to find you. Natalia, for our listeners, where can they continue to find you after this? In a corner of my house, huddled up, rocking back and forth. Or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram (laughs) at Natalia13Reagan, on TikTok at BeholdNatalia. And just look for my name. You can find it. Just yell my name into the ether. I'll appear. Like Bloody Mary, three times in the mirror. Exactly. Um, Uh, you can find me Twitter and OnlyFans are the Meredith. Instagram is actually Meredith. You can find all of my socials, all of my everything, my brand partnerships, my podcast, everything on MeredithActually.com. Awesome. And guys, you can find me, Alice, at Rational Blonde on Twitter. I'm sure I'll update there of all of my projects and failures and triumphs. Buy my stuff, I guess, over at OffensiveCrayons.com. I also recently became the owner of pen15s.com um, <laughs> you know, look someone had to own penis.com and I felt like it's destiny it's density <laughs> it is it does seem destiny <laughs> it's, it's density it's, yes it it's also right. a little back to the future I would like to toast one more time to two rolls one mic 
the podcast. Absolutely. It's been a wild run. To Alice. Toast to everybody. To Alice. Yes, Alice. 100%. Guys, to I'm all of our cry. guests. Mm-hmm. To everyone that's made this show a success over the years. This has been Absolutely. Fucking great. All of our ride. fully and loaded episodes. <laughs> just. Absolutely. I should we put in hot, throbby, veiny, the whole, you know. <laughs> I feel like we should be drinking tea so we could be teabagging ourselves, but uh, uh, perhaps that's just too gauche. So, uh, but I am drinking wine Cheers out of a can. Cheers. Mm, respect. Respect. Thank you, ladies, and thank you, listeners, and thank you so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, good luck. Just go through our back catalog, (laughs) but thank you for joining us. Good night and bye-bye.